athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You're locked into the Dopey Show on radio from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Wall-to-wall basketball talk today on the program. Some NBA talk with Mike Wallace, the senior editor of Grind City Media. A lot gone on in the NBA. And I want to talk about the LeBron James situation. Yes, I know he passed MJ and, of course, now sits as the fourth all-time leading scorer in NBA history. What does it really mean at this juncture with the Lakers the way that the Lakers are? I mean, the Lakers are in absolute disarray. It was one of those deals, okay, you scored the points or the point that enabled you to become the all-time leading scorer. Now what? The Lakers are still in disarray. You know, I am not sure that the Lakers are going to be able to get, you know, the the type of free agents that they need. They're going to have to make some moves here. Like, they're going to really have to make some moves here. I I think everybody thought that this was going to be a difficult first season for the Lakers, but not this difficult. I mean, when you look at the young talent on this team, let's go back to the Lakers last year. If you look at the Lakers last year, they won 30-some-odd games when – I I, I know a lot of folks didn't even think they would win 20 games. They won 30-some-odd games last year with a young team. You add LeBron to that mix, uh, some minor changes here and there, and they're worse. I mean, ultimately, I think they're going to be better in terms of record than they were last year, but they should have been exponentially better this year than they were last year. I mean, you know, again, I want to ask Mike Wallace about the whole LeBron James situation. I also want to ask him, some other things as it relates to the NBA. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, going to join us today talking some NBA here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Also joining us today here on the program, Fred Watson is now the head men's basketball coach at Miles. I say now he was the head men's basketball coach at Miles throughout the course of the season. We, we talked a little bit about Miles because Morehouse was sort of running away with the SIAC, but Miles was sort of just right there and right there, and they had beaten Morehouse. And all of a sudden, you look up, Miles wins its first ever SIAC tournament championship, and the head men's basketball coach at Miles is Fred Watson. We've had Fred Watson on the program many, many a time over the years as the head men's basketball coach at Benedict, 16 years as the head men's basketball coach at Benedict, 320 wins in 16 seasons. Do the math. That's an average of 20 wins per season. He won five SIAC tournament championships, five SIAC regular season championships, and had Benedict in the South region 
or the of the NCAA Division II tournament nine times in 16 seasons. What a phenomenal job he did at Benedict. What a phenomenal job he did with Miles. It's a Miles program that won seven games on last year. Fred Watson, the head men's basketball coach in Miles, going to join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Our Boxer Row National Players of the Week. First to Washington, D.C., R.J. Cole, the guard for the Howard Bison, averaged 21 points, four and a half assists, five rebounds, four and a half steals, and two victories for the Bison last week. Don't look now, but Howard is hot going into next week's MEAC tournament championships. And by the way, R.J. Cole was a former three-star recruit. He had a lot of offers from Division I programs, including from quite a few Ivy League schools, a 4.0 GPA at St. Anthony's under the legendary, under the legendary Bob Hurley Sr. You can read more about this on our website at BoxerRoad.com. As a matter of fact, we covered this when Cole signed as a junior to Howard going back some almost three years ago now. And I sort of compared um, his signing at the time. Donald Trump had just um, been elected as president. And I did a a piece um, sort of relating Donald Trump's election to HBCU sports. I invite you to go and uh, check that piece out. And then our other Boxster Row National Player of the Week, Virginia Union guard. Um, I tell you what, Sharika McNeil was absolutely spectacular last week as Virginia Union won its third CIAA tournament championship in four seasons. And Sharika McNeil last week averaged 44.7 points per game, also two steals, 2.7 rebounds. She sought 62% from three-point range, scored a CIAA tournament record 59 points, uh, including 14 of 20 from the field in the Lady Panthers' victory over Livingstone on the way, had 135 points in three games, which was a new CIAA tournament record. So also you can read more about Sharika McNeil uh, on our website. Sharika McNeil of Virginia Union, R.J. Cole of Howard, the Box to Row National Players of the Week. Your participation here on From the Press Box to Press Row always warranted. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. By the way, also on Instagram, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Thank you to all of our phenomenal affiliates around the country that carry From the Press Box to Press Row. I mean, you know, we can take it all the way to... Uh, you know, Denmark, South Carolina, Orangeburg, South Carolina to WVCD, uh, uh, of course, 790 AM. Also now a 96.5 uh, FM, a, a wonderful affiliate that carries from the press box to press row has been doing so for so many years. Um, you know, I can think about WWIL uh, out of um out of Wilmington, uh, North Carolina, all of the great affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. Those listening to us on Sirius XM channels 141 and 142 and those listening to us around the world at box to Our condolences go out to all of those, uh, the victims uh, of the tornado that hit last week in Alabama. Twenty three people lost their lives. And so certainly our hearts and prayers are, are and thoughts are with those folks who lost lives um, in the uh, tornado that hit Alabama on uh, on this past week.
The Miles Golden Bears last Saturday won their first ever SIAC Tournament Championship, a 70-46 to victory over LeMoyne Owen in the championship game. And in his first season as the head men's basketball coach at Miles is Fred Watson. If you know the name, of course, he hasn't been on the program in quite some time, but if you know the name, the former head coach at Benedict for 16 seasons, won 320 games in 16 seasons, that's 20 wins or an average of 20 wins per season. He had eight of those at Benedict, won five SIAC regular season championships, five SIAC tournament championships, and the Tigers made the South Region nine, count them, nine times. As Fred Watson joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Watson, congratulations and welcome back to the program. Uh, appreciate it, man. Good to be back. Yeah, you know, it's been some time, probably since 2015, when you guys won the SIAC Tournament Championship at Benedict. But I want to start here. I mean, after 16 seasons, particularly at your alma mater at Benedict, was it time to leave? What happened? Why did you ultimately end up at Miles? Yeah, it, it just I just felt um, it was time for me um, to make a change. It was time for me to take on a new challenge. I thought the way um, what we had built at Benedict was was great, and you know um, I think it was always established. And you know for the next person would have had to even continue with the program. So I just thought it was the right time for us to move move on and uh, try a new challenge. And you certainly did. I mean, there wasn't anything where you you know you weren't you know the the, the university didn't want you. You were getting tired of it. Was it any any anything like that? Oh no, no, no. I mean I you know, I had a conversation with our president um at the time. And, you know, um you know, they were committed to the program, you know, I mean and I'm an alumni there, so I mean I love being there. Benedict was great to me. Everybody was great to me, so, um, you know. But um, you know, at just some point in my career, you know, I just wanted to change and you know take on a different challenge. That's it was as simple as that. No question. So was was that obviously Miles presented that opportunity, and and I'm I'm just I'm just asking because we want to sort of know you know what what happened. I mean, you win the tournament championship, obviously at Miles, so much success at Benedict. Were there some other offers maybe that you were looking at, and Miles presented the best opportunity? Yeah, you know, I, um, coming into that summer, I just said that you know I'm a, I'm gonna be open. Um, in the previous year, I really wasn't looking at different options, or opportunities. Um, but, you know, I was just open to um, different offers, and, yeah, Miles presented the best. They gave me the I think I thought, in my opinion, they were going to give me the best. They were going to get me closer to winning right away. Um, although they were, you know, wasn't had much success in the past, I just feel the opportunity and what they had in place and the commitment, making a new AD, um, change in administration, new AD coming in, proven winner, was 100% supportive. I just felt that was going to get me closer to winning um, and just – by you know, grace of God and blessings that we were able to do it in year one. No question, and, and, and far be it from me. Uh, listen, you've had the success I mentioned. You averaged 20 wins per season. But I would ask this because you mentioned that you felt like Miles had the best opportunity. But this was a Miles team in 2017 and 18 that won just seven games. So why did you feel like it presented the best opportunity to win right away? I was just talking to the um, athletic director, man. Um, when he took over, you know, he had a vision on where he was going to take the program overall. Um, you know, and me coming back and forth, you know, the tournament was here in Birmingham at um, 
as Miles was one of the hosts of the tournament. And just coming back and seeing the support that um, the college had and from the community and administration over the years, you know, I just felt, I mean, this program was committed to winning and, and wanted a winner, deserved a winner. And, you know, I was just fortunate I was able to um, deliver. Absolutely. Last thought on that. Did you did you was there any backlash to you um, having been at Benedict for so many years and then becoming? I mean, I know it's happened uh, before, but uh, but you've been at Benedict and then coming now to Miles. Um, no, I'm, I'm not sure. Not from the people that matter, not from the people that's important in my life. Um, so I, I don't know. But, I, you know, I think the community, the alumni, you know, they, they appreciate what I've done and built over here at Benedict College. So I, I didn't hear any backlash. The president was supportive. Um, you know, so, you know, that's still my community. I'm still an alumni. I mean, I still got love for Benedict and all. But, you know, it's just, it was just a career move. It wasn't nothing personal. Hold the line for me one second. Coach Watson, we're talking with Miles Headman's basketball coach, Fred Watson. More with Fred Watson on the other side. Mommy, where are we going? To the grocery store, honey. Oh, goody, Mommy. Can we buy an original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky? Of what? An original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some, and I couldn't help myself, and I ate it all, and I was hoping that you could, like, help me replace it before he comes home from work. Why would you eat all of Dad's beef jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help myself. Marjorie's beef jerky is so good, and Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Thanks, Mom. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. You can also purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com or call them toll free 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Brought to you by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Visit them at HarlemBeerNC.com. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. Watson is the head men's basketball coach at Miles. Joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Golden Bears winning their first ever SIAC tournament championship. What comes to mind when you think about that? As you've had time to reflect, and of course there's still more basketball. Maybe you haven't had time to reflect because there's still more basketball to come. As of course you'll hear your selection in terms of where you'll be seated in the South region coming this Sunday. But I mean, what does what comes to your mind when you think, okay, in my first year, and ingraining yourself in that community in Fairfield, in the Birmingham area, that you were able, as the head coach, to lead Miles to its first ever SIAC tur- tournament championship. What what most comes to your mind there? Um, my expectations. You know, I think um, you know, coming in, 
you know, I had high expectations for the program myself. I wanted to deliver. You know, obviously I didn't expect that we were going to get off to this type of start in year one. But, you know, the guys were so committed and bought in so early in the year. I, you know, I just felt that if we had just kept working and keep working and the guys kept getting better, that we were going to have a chance. And, you know, just fortunately it came together for us, man. And we were really we were excited. Yeah, can I take you back? I mean, so many great wins to start the season and a couple of close losses, including to, I believe it was Jackson State you guys played and lost two by four points. Uh, but right. the, the game against Benedict, like, like, what was that like? And, you know, you beat Benedict 80-48 to 48 back on January 7th. That game, of course, played at Miles. Oh, well, every game is hard to prepare for. That game was hard to prepare for. Those guys were in every game this year. Um, you know, but, um, you know, it didn't matter who the opponent was, man. We prepared the same way. We played, we prepared extremely hard. We worked extremely hard. Um, we were d- very disciplined. Our scout um, and the guys executed extremely well all year. And, you know, um, fortunately we got some win- um, wins early and just got better and better and better as the season went on. And, um, you know, here we are. What made it different this time around against LeMoyne Owen? They do say it's hard to beat a team three times in a season obviously that did not and, and that held true this time because they beat you uh 72 to 64 that was back on january 21st then they beat you 67 to 65 back on february 2nd and then you blew them out in the sic tournament championship game so what was different the third time around uh just the mindset man going in on you know i thought we did a good job in the film um i, I can remember going in to that third game that that second game and we were down big early, and we made an uh, unbelievable run at the end of the game. Ended up losing um, by two. And I remember the guy saying, "Man, if we just had one more minute, one more minute." Well, we were blessed with forty um, um, to try to do it right. And, you know, it's, oftentimes we don't have a chance to make it right for a third time. Um, but we were blessed with a great opportunity to play them a third time. And, and I just want to make sure that we 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 did things different. You know, um, we did some things defensively different in the scout. Um, we got more familiar with his group. I mean, obviously, he, people don't know that he had pretty much a new team, so a lot of new personnel that we were just getting used to. Um, in that third game, I just thought the guys understood what they were trying to do to us and what they were doing to us, and we did some things differently, and it, and it worked for us. Fred Watson is the head men's basketball coach at Miles. He joins us here on the program how was it in – well, let, let the, the SIAC tournament. So, I mean, if I looked at the numbers, if one was to look at the scores and look at the numbers in terms of how you were able to beat teams, I mean, the closest game was against Albany State, and still you beat them by six points. H- had you ever – had one of your Benedict teams ever had or been this dominant in an SIAC tournament? Is, and is that a fair assessment, domination in the SIAC tournament? Well, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was dominant. Um, or we were so dominant. I think, you know, we just worked extremely hard and came up with some um, crucial victories. Um, but this league is so tough, man. The league has been getting better every year over the past couple of years. Um, so every game still is on its own. I thought that first game <clears throat> with Tuskegee was extremely difficult to get through. Um, the game with Albany State had we proposed its only challenge. And all day, although we had a easy t- we ended up with an easy time against Lamont on that was a very difficult game, um, and I just thought the uh, the four games that was their fourth game in five nights. You know, I just thought um, they just you know just didn't have it, and 
and we just played well. But I wouldn't say by any means that we dominated any team in the conference. We just played extremely hard and kind of worked out in our favor. How were you able to come in so quickly, put your stamp on the program, and then ultimately take it all the way? Well, you know, just just buying in and trust. You know, we want to make sure, you know, when we talk about buy-in, you know, it's a simple buy-in. You know, guys have got to play hard and be disciplined and play together. You know, if they're not willing to do that, then, you know, we don't have much to talk about. Um, and so once they, I established that culture and they were able to buy in, I mean, we were off to the races. Um, but we had some pretty good talent. I mean, I just asked guys to make certain sacrifices that they had never made before in order to win. And I asked that of every team, that you've got to make sacrifices. You've got to be selfless. And this team just bought in. You know, they were we did have an all-conference performer on the Miles team returning to us. He just made some sacrifices to win this guy. Um, and so his numbers weren't the same, but he was the same player. But he just sacrificed some of his numbers for the betterment of the team. So, you know, I want to give a lot of credit to those guys. Not that they weren't as good. They just made some sacrifices that they never had were asked to make before. A couple of more thoughts with Fred Watson, the head men's basketball coach at Miles, who joins us here on the program. Let's talk about some of that personnel. You know, Devontae Fuller. Um, you know, you, as a matter of fact, you brought you brought a couple of guys over from Benedict too, so that I'm sure helped because those guys sort of knew your system. But talk about some of the guys that um, that really stepped up for you this year. Yeah, you named it, man. Um, all of them really, but um, Devontae Wilshire, uh, Devontae Fuller came in, did an amazing, amazing job for us on the defensive end and just being a leader. He was a graduate senior, and you know, I was I was so happy for him because he really made a uh, big sacrifice and commitment to our program. But the guys that were here, you know, the the Damon Archer, the Nathan Sheffield, the Robert Jones, Rashawn Chapman, Jeffrey um, Dockett, those guys really made the biggest sacrifices other than the guys that actually decided to follow us to Miles um, Jelani Watson Gale, Jose Romano, and Uma Frost. Those guys made a big sacrifice. Like I said, they were they were able to play a certain way last year, and their numbers were better. But coming in here, you know, when we first came in, I told them, "Hey, you, you all of my guys, but they're they're going to be sacrifices that's going to be asked of you, and you're not going to be able to play the same way you played before." And for those guys to buy in so quickly and immediately and 100 percent, that it helped us, you know, to get better quicker. Um, and was able, and I was able to kind of do and coach how I wanted to coach. It was real um, indicative of those guys buy in and, and sacrifice that they made for the team. And then lastly, I, I know you don't know the opponent as of yet in terms of who you're going to play in the South region, but if I look at some, and I don't know where some of these opponents are, but I believe Delta State's in your region. Uh, West Alabama, I believe, is in the region. Um, you know, uh, and matter of fact, you had lost to, to them twice. So, but you know this South region, having been at Benedict. So what is it going to take for this, as with a new team, for this Miles program to sort of take that next step and be competitive in the South region once it comes around next week? Uh, just preparation. I mean, we just got to prepare. We just got to be diligent in our preparation. Uh, we got to be scouting report discipline. I mean, these, this is going to be some great teams. Um, skill level is going to be different. Um, you know, and we're prepared for that. I think I think playing in our conference in this West Division, but the SIC as a whole, has re- and as good as these teams were in our conference, it has really prepared us to face great competition, great talent, great skill, great coaching. So that 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 bodes well for us. Um, but you know, this is a tough region. We got four teams in the top 25 in our region. Uh, the number three team in the country, Nova Southeastern, is in our region, who more than likely is going to host the region and 
more than likely going to be our first round opponent on the number three team in the country campus. So it's going to be a challenge for us, you know, but, you know, it's still a blessing. It's a blessing for us to be there. Um, so we just got to take advantage of our advantages and make sure we prepare for the opportunity. Fred Watson, you've heard him many times here on From the Press Box to Press Row, the former head coach at Benedict, now doing his thing at Miles, leading the Miles Golden Bears to their first, first ever SIAC tournament championship. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Watson, hey, man, it's great to catch up with you. Continue success to you and the Golden Bears. Well, we appreciate it, man. I love being on your show, man. Thanks for having, having me on. Anytime, Coach Watson, you know that. Fred Watson, the head men's basketball coach, and Miles joining us on the program. We probably go back with Coach Watson some 10 years or so. All those, whether it was SIC tournament championships or regional appearances, we've been talking with Fred Watson here for the last 10 years. Now hear this. Amir Hinton announced officially that he was declaring for the NBA draft. And while he made it official in talking to ESPN on a little bit earlier on in the week, I think we heard this from Amir about some three weeks ago or so. Is there a scenario where you may come back for another year here, Sean? Um, at this point right now, no. Um, I feel like I, it's, I don't know. I don't know if it's... I'm real religious, so I don't know if it's God, I don't know if it's just my calling, because I, I don't know. But I just feel like it's it's time, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's time. It's just up to me to put the work in, and up to me to get up, and up to me to work out, and up to me to do like do these little things that's gonna help me get to the next level. But for me, yeah, I, I got a great support system. Everything around me is everybody supports me. I got like, my family, everybody. So I just feel like it's just up, it's just up to me. Um, I don't. I just don't think I should wait like, right now. You know. I went. I set out a year. You know, I, I did that. I did that whole thing. Set out a year. Couldn't go to the, my dream school. You know, it's just a lot of stuff that happened. But I think it's just time for me. I think it's time. That was Amir Hinton back about three weeks ago here on From the Press Box to Press Row. So while he may have made it official this week, he already let us know that three weeks ago. And what a way to go out, even though Shaw fell to Virginia State, who's very, very good, by the way, in the CIAA Tournament Championship game. Amir Hinton dropped 34 points in the game, and what a way to go out in his last collegiate basketball game and in reading some of what I saw. He, right now, uh, would be a top 50 player in terms of the draft this year. So that means he would ultimately be drafted. And remember, he's got a summer to work out. Remember this last summer, he put in so much work that he put himself on this level and he got that much better in a summer. So just think how much better he could get this upcoming summer. Up next, Mike Wallace of Grind City Media. Let's talk some NBA here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And to do that, we got the best in the business. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, joins us on the program. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter at MyMikeCheck and also at GrindCityMedia.com. What's up, Mike? Hey, what's going on, D, man? Good to be back on with you uh, as we tilt this thing towards spring, man. So we got a lot of basketball to get to, stretch run of the season, college tournaments heating up. Uh, it's all kind of things going on, man. So I'm glad to be working just like you. I know you. I know you grinding. So let's grind together. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm looking and I'm looking forward to some of the things that we're going to continue to do as the months progress. Um, Memphis, man. Like when we talked with you two weeks ago, 
you know, we, we I guess the trade had, had come off the, the two weeks previous to that or right at the trade deadline. And, you know, it's it's been a struggle for Memphis. But at the end of the day, to be able to beat a Portland Trailblazer team like the Grizzlies did on Tuesday was a big win. First of all, your thoughts on that win. And then, you know, how do you see the Grizzlies kind of moving forward from here after coming off that big win? Well, that was a that was a huge win. I mean, when you look at Mike Conley, who's been through an emotional ringer basically over the past few months, um, going back through the trade deadline and a little bit before that, um, you know, he thought he was on his way out. Mark Gasol gets traded uh, to Toronto. Uh, the Grizzlies uh, have nine new players on the roster since December four. Um, you know, it's one of those situations where you know Conley's the longest tenured guy left in the franchise right now. And the second longest tenure guy has only played 100 games with the Grizzlies. So, you know, it's really a, the Grizzlies have made an about face. And this was sort of a throwback uh, Mike Conley type performance. I mean, 40 points in that game going against, you know, one of the most prolific backcourts we have in this league with uh, C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard. And, and Mike Conley's always played well against those guys. And, you know, to see him lead the team uh, with a career high 40, uh, come back from a 16 point deficit early in that game. You know, those are the kind of moments that we've seen sprinkled throughout what's been an otherwise frustrating season because of injuries, because of losses, because of other things. So, you know, listen, I mean, the Grizzlies are in a rebuild, a retool, a reset, uh, whatever you want to call it, but they still have a proud veteran uh, uh, catalyst that's the face of the franchise and Mike Conley. And then still some young prospects uh, who are just starting to show what they become. And, and for, unfortunately, guys like Jaron Jackson Jr., the fourth overall pick in last year's draft, uh, is injured and, and likely could miss the rest of the season. Dylan Brooks, who was one of the steals of the second round of the draft the previous year, uh, had toe surgery, season-ending toe surgery. And then, uh, you know, Kyle Anderson, who was the Grizzlies' top pick uh, in free agency, you know, top free agent target last summer, uh, is dealing with the shoulder injury that's kept him out for the past month. So you take away all those or, or add in all of that, and you got to take this season with a grain of salt, and hopefully this team can sort of find some something to build upon going into the off season and going into next season. Yeah, what's the prognosis in terms of? I mean, you're right, Jaron Jackson. I mean, he was averaging close to 14 a game, had started every game this season as a rookie. So, I mean, what what uh, you know the injury? Talk about that, and then his his uh, you know what he's looking like for next year based upon the injury. Yeah, I mean, for a while, you know, obviously Luka Doncic with Dallas uh, has been the runaway best rookie in the league this season um dallas has ran into some problems the last couple of weeks they've gotten blown out they had consecutive losses recently by 30 and then 39 points uh, in back-to-back games basically and uh so some of the luster is worn off of luca and this would have been an ideal time for jaron to step in and sort of see some of that uh, uh slack right there and and he's hurt he's unfortunately he's hurt with the uh deep thigh bruise uh and he, you know he went through all-star you know, in Charlotte, he played in the rookie, the Rising Silence game with the rookies and, and, and the world team versus uh, the U.S. team. Uh, played decently, but he's been dealing with that lingering thigh bruise. And, you know, once you start having that and it's not going away, the team decided to err on the side of caution and just treatment and therapy right now in terms of getting his leg back together because you don't want to go into the off season needing any kind of surgery that's going to set back a 19-year-old phenom like, like Jaron is. So, you know, I think he's held his own. And it's funny how you mentioned that because, you know, I talked about Luka, but really if you redraft the uh, the top five of the NBA draft from last summer, I think every team ended up with the player that they want because we've certainly seen Trey Young come into his own for Atlanta, and people thought that they were crazy for trading out of that. But Trey has looked exceptional over these last few weeks uh, heading in, heading down the stretch. 
Uh, Luka Doncic has been great for the duration of the rookie season. Jaron Jackson has certainly had his moments. And then you go to the number one pick, DeAndre Ayton. Obviously, Phoenix has been losing, but uh, he hasn't been the problem with that. He's been a double-double guy pretty much every night and, and certainly a foundational center that that franchise can build on as well. Yeah, listen, I know we're talking basketball right now, but I got to interject this because I'm a foodie. So it's Memphis Black Restaurant Week. You're doing yes, something sir. with that. I know you're a foodie like me. man. See, when you're from where we're from, like the food is all right, but it ain't like down <laughs> in the south. You know what I'm saying? So, like, what's up with Memphis uh, Black Restaurant Week, man? I know you're killing it out there. Hey, man, you know what? It, it was somebody, you know, basically what's going on here is that, um, you know, shout out to Cynthia Daniels and company. She's one of the, uh, you know, first of all, it's, it's it's Women's Month, you know, and, and then Friday, you know, the Friday of, uh, of this this week, when, you know, in terms of March, you're talking about uh, National or International Women's Day. And you have so many minority-owned, women-owned businesses in Memphis, and they wanted to shine a spotlight on just not that, not just the women and the minority-owned, but obviously the uh, the restaurants and some of those things. So uh, Cynthia Daniels, who was an HBCU Empowerment Award winner when we were doing the HBCU Month uh, of Awards in February, uh, she was one of the recipients, proud HBCU alum. And basically what she did is, is put together this format. It's the third or fourth year where uh, black restaurants in Memphis get together and offer, uh, you know, discounts on their menus uh, to sort of raise awareness and sort of drive traffic and bring this city together. So 14 restaurants and establishments have come together, uh, ranging from a chicken and waffle spot out in, you know, Collierville in the suburbs to uh, the four-way, which is one of the most iconic historic soul food restaurants in the country, let alone just in Memphis. Uh, Martin Luther King sat there and ate. You know, Aretha Franklin grew up going there uh, with her family. Uh, civil rights leaders and experts and politicians have come through there throughout the decades to get some of that catfish, get some of them them yams, <laughs> them salmon croquets. So I was out in front of it the other day, man, and just you know, basically doing my sampling of the 14 restaurants um, uh, that that are going to be celebrated or have are being celebrated for uh, Memphis Black Restaurant Week. So thanks a lot for letting me speak on that, man, because it's been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, I'm gaining a couple of pounds, but there are also some healthy options in there, too. And, and one of those is uh, uh, Downtown Nutrition, which is uh, partly owned and, and operated by uh, former Grizzlies coach Lionel Hollins. Awesome. That <laughs> the voice of Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, talking some barbecue here on from the press box to press row. But we're talking some NBA, of course, on the program. So, Mike, Tuesday was an interesting evening. We mentioned the Grizzlies over Portland, which which is it? I mean, that that's not that much of a surprise. But I would say that the Celtics in the way in which they beat the Warriors and at this at this juncture, because the Celtics had struggled, they blew the Warriors away and the Warriors were at home. So was that more of an aberration as far as Golden State is concerned, getting blown out like that by Boston? I mean, they got smacked by Boston, and Boston was a dysfunctional team over the past month. And, and the way that Boston won that game uh, said more about – I mean, I think Boston needed to win that way more so than – uh, people should be alarmed about what Golden State did at home and, and sort of laid that egg uh, because Gordon Hayward played really, really well for the first time in a long time. He really showed by, you know, scoring that 30, 31 points uh, in that game that his teammates were not only looking for him, but he was also aggressive too. This is a guy that was, the, you know, the, the centerpiece of a national story by Hall of Fame writer and, and a well-regarded journalist, uh, Jackie McMullen, uh, out of Boston, who did a piece on sort of the mental wear and tear and physical wear and tear that, Hayward has had to go through over the last two seasons in Boston after leaving Utah. So 
listen, man, that was a that was a statement game for Boston, more so for Boston uh, than it was in terms of raising any uh, uh, panic alarms for Golden State. They're going to have some of those stinkers uh, as they try to work through. They're tinkering with their rotation as well. Andrew Bogut was just signed uh, to add another big to that rotation there. Um, but as long as you got Kevin Durant playing like he's playing, Steph Curry's healthy, uh, Clay Thompson's had some nicks and, nicks and bruises here and there. But for the most part, this team is just coasting to try to get to the playoffs, and then they'll turn it on from that point. They've already been there so many times, four straight times. So they know what they're doing. I'm not worried about Golden State, but I, I was getting to worry about Boston. So I think that could be a momentum builder for them as they go down to the last five weeks of the season. I want to get your thoughts as as one that covered LeBron, well covers LeBron James generally, but covered him specifically while he was in Miami. You know, my, well, I won't give you my thought, but I want to get your thoughts on this whole uh, situation with with LeBron. Um, you know, sort of take us into sort of his mindset. He said some things maybe that people don't agree with. He doesn't really sort of take the onus in terms of the problems that are happening in Los Angeles per se. So just call, sort of take us through uh, the mindset of LeBron. And I just want to kind of get your thoughts on this whole LeBron Lakers situation. No, no, but you know what? It's, it's funny. You didn't have to stop yourself, D man. We go back long enough, man. I want to hear your thoughts. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Don't, don't well, try to, don't try to stump the conversation, like stunt the growth of it. I mean, this is, you know, there's so many different angles to LeBron and, and who he is and what he represents. Um, what, what do you sort of think about it? And, and then I can sort of come back uh, after that. Where, where were you? Where were you going with that? Well, my thought is that I don't like I don't like the tone. In other words, everything that I hear from LeBron, and again, it, it, it's not like I'm there front and center, but it's it's all it's someone else's fault. It's the the team is young. His whole demeanor on the court, which by the way, his demeanor in terms of some of the some of his reactions to things that happens has sort of always been like that, but it's sort of more exacerbated a little bit, if you will, now because yeah. he's playing with younger players. And I am quite frankly, I'm not a fan of it. I don't like it. He's not taking any of the responsibility of the problems that are happening in Los Angeles. Uh, you know what? And the thing about it is this, though. Uh, LeBron knew what he was getting into when he went out to L.A., and the fan base and, and the media should have known what he was coming into and how he was going to sort of – uh, react to this. The bottom line to me is that LeBron has never really committed full term to a, to a to a contract, and this is the first time throughout his career that he's ever committed to the you know fullest amount that he could commit to without any terms of opt outs or any terms of anything like that. Four years, he's going to be in L.A. This is basically where he's going to have his swan song as an elite NBA player uh, in, in in L.A. To me, and I said this at the very beginning, LeBron went to L.A. already secure and and, and locked in. And I, I almost dare to stare, I say satisfied with what his legacy was as an NBA champion, as an NBA finalist to going to the NBA finals. He's gone to eight straight, nine overall. You know, he's won three championships, including the, the, the Keystone one, which was the one uh, that he won for Cleveland after that franchise hadn't won anything in 50 years uh, as a sports city. So I think he felt like, you know what, anything I do in L.A. now is gravy. So let me go there. And this signing with the Lakers was more about LeBron establishing and flourishing within his entertainment and, and, and communications empire. And you're seeing that. The Space Jam uh, 2 movie has come out. The barbershop is, is as successful as any other thing that he's ever touched. You're seeing, uh, you know, him. he's producing and executive producing uh, CD projects and rap projects and, and concerts. You know, so these guys, I mean... <laughs> You look at, you know, his guys are basically, Maverick Carter is now on a board of, I think, um, you know, Live Nation. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, you're talking about the executives across the board building the empire. 
Now, when you talk about basketball, look, I mean, he's, he's going to shrug his shoulders. He's going to take it or leave it. And it's frustrating to see because you, you're used to LeBron fighting for everything and being right in the mix of everything. He doesn't have time for these young guys uh, to, to learn how to play basketball. But he also signed up for that. And I, don't buy, I agree with you. I don't buy the excuse that these are young guys because I look at that roster and I see Rajon Rondo. You know, I look at that roster, I see Javon McGee, a guy who won a championship with Golden State, a veteran. I look at that roster, I see Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who's been around for a while. You know, I see other guys. Now, yes, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Hart, Kuzma, those are young guys, but they still have enough veterans on that team uh, to help whip these guys into shape and lead them a little bit. Lance Stevenson has been there. So it's a shame if the Lakers don't make the uh, the NBA playoffs. I think it's a mark against LeBron because you can't dominate every year in the East and then your first year in the West, you can't even make the playoffs. I think that is a mark against him. Um, but but I also think that next year, that puts the pressure on Magic Johnson to get him the trades that he needs, the coach that he wants, and then see where it goes from there. Let's step aside, take a break, come back. A couple of more thoughts with you, Mike. Uh, let's step aside, take a break. We'll come back with more of Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, on the other side. Mommy, where are we going? To the grocery store, honey. Oh, goody, Mommy. Can we buy an original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky? Of what? An original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some, and I couldn't help myself, and I ate it all, and I was hoping that you could, like, help me replace it before he comes home from work. Why would you eat all of Dad's beef jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help myself. Marjorie's beef jerky is so good, and Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Thanks, Mom. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. You can also purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com or call them toll free 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. Doesn't matter what your sport, he talks your language. It's Donald Ware. From the press box to press row, it's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row. We're talking with our guy. Mike Wallace, he is the senior editor of Grind City Media, not only knows the Memphis Grizzlies, but knows all things NBA as he joins us on the program. So we were talking a little bit about LeBron on the other side. Got your thoughts. So, Mike, will it will the I don't I'm not going to say the current situation, but how difficult will it be for LeBron with the situation, I guess, to be able to attract free agents next year to come to Los Angeles? I don't think it's going to be that difficult. And, and, and I think because LeBron is pretty much insulated. I mean, the Lakers are going to have uh, a pretty much maximum salary cap space. They have a, a good amount of young assets that they could trade out. They have uh, draft picks that they can give up. And, you know, LeBron's uh, running mate, you know, one of his best lifelong buddies, you know, is, is Rich Paul, who, you know, runs Clutch Sports Agency, which represents a lot of upcoming free agents or guys that can maneuver their way. Uh, into deals to come to the Los Angeles Lakers. So, you know, I, I think he has the perfect setup. He just needs Magic Johnson to uh, to, to execute some things. And, you know, I think LeBron learned the game. Uh, I'm, I'm not talking about the basketball game, but the business aspect of it. 
from when he came to Miami those you know a few years back, and, and Pat Riley basically cleared the deck of that Miami Heat roster. They were down to one player under contract, and that was Mario Chalmers. Everybody else had opted out or got traded, and they had maximum salary cap space to bring in all of those free agents when Bosch and Dwayne Wade resigned and LeBron came and you know Udonis Haslam resigned and Mike Miller joined on and then eventually they had space to get Ray Allen and Shane Battier and the rest is you know rest is history. And I think that's what Magic Johnson ha- almost has to do for LeBron in this one too. So when you talk about Anthony Davis, that's a name out there. I don't know if a guy like a Kawhi Leonard is going to want to come and 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 and, and play alongside LeBron. But Kyrie Irving is certainly throwing out flirtations out there that he may be able to do it. Kevin Durant may say, you know what, let's try and see what this looks like with you and I playing together. And that could that could happen. So I'm not ruling out anything when you have the combination of the most powerful agency in the league right now or the most influential agency in the league right now with with Rich Paul. Uh, you have the, the, the most glamorous team in the league with the Lakers. You have LeBron James, and then you have one of the most charismatic front office guys in Magic Johnson. That's a powerful combination to count out. Yeah. Uh, switching gears a little bit, I, I look at, you know, I look at Kyrie Irving and sort of his demeanor in interviews. It's sort of up and down. I guess it depends upon what day it is and how he's feeling. But having covered the NBA for so long and the media has definitely changed, it was more, you know, about newspapers, which are fading away and, and, and radio and TV. And now it's really gone more to the to digital and so on and so forth. Are players more uh, sensitive more so to the media now because maybe they think media members are sort of out to get them or are they just sort of overreacting at times we, we've seen a lot of these deals where you know guys just seem to blow up for uh for, and i just use Kyrie as an example but guys just seem to blow up for no reason on legitimate oh, yeah, you, questions you on legitimate questions yeah though and, and you're right and and i think you know i, I sympathize uh, with both sides of this. I mean, you know, you and I both go back in the media, in traditional media for a long time. I mean, you know, uh, you know you're running uh, departments that have to deal with reporters and media covering the teams that, you, that you've been affiliated with and me being on the newspaper side as a reporter and then going national as well. The problem, though, is that here, the problem on one side is that, yes, the players are, there's a, a greater paranoia uh, among players. You know what I mean? Because I think, they are too engaged in social media. It's a nonstop cycle of criticism and questions and, and, and spin and, and spewing that goes on around the clock now because you never can check out of that. Secondly, what, what used to qualify as legitimate media 10 years ago, doesn't, it, the, the parameters are different now. Anybody is considered media. Anybody, you know, anybody that has a blog, anybody that has a radio show that they put online, anybody that has anything that will allow them to get credential to a game or a practice is considered a reporter, and they don't all have the same training. They didn't go through the etiquette of uh, journalism ethics and journalism morals and journalism uh, practicum and practice. And I think that puts a lot of people who are fans disguised as so-called digital media reporters or so-called reporters in front of players asking questions that a trained journalist would know how to ask in a better format in a more professional manner. And, you know, sometimes I think that becomes an issue for the players and they can't decide or deduce who's who, and they just blanket the whole media with this uh, sweeping generalization. And that's, that's a problem. That's a problem that, that, that extends beyond, you know, NBA and basketball players. It, go, it cuts across the entire, you know, coverage landscape of what we consume now as national media 
or international media, and it's a problem. But I will say, hey, Kevin Durant did it a couple weeks ago. Um, Kyrie Irving has been, you know, has some critical comments. And I applaud those brothers for speaking up and speaking their mind. And I think sometimes us in the media, we guys in the media, have a sense of entitlement that we shouldn't have. A player doesn't owe us an answer. You know what I'm saying? They don't have to answer our questions. Um, you just Sometimes a dude just you know, wants to tell you to shut up. And you just got to suck it up as a reporter. And then if you're a legit journalist, you'll show back up the next day and try to ask it the same question in a different context. And you might be able to get the respect and build those relationships that you need to be a better reporter. Mm. Man, that's very, very well said. Has, has that has anything like that, you know, I mean, happened? I'm sure it has. I mean, it happened to all of us. Yeah. If you've been around for any amount of time. But is there an example maybe that you can give of something like that? Maybe that happened. I'm not trying to yeah. put you on the spot, but that happened to you. No, 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 man. I mean, we're family and, 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 you know, I'm totally transparent. And, you know, like I said, I've come from, you know, from from covering it. Um, and, and to now being, you know, sort of a, a, a brand media within the NBA internally, uh, covering the league as well. But I can tell you this, it's funny, man. It's, and it's not even, I've never got offended by it, but it's so funny, man. Like when I first got to Miami and got on the Miami Heat beat, this was before. See, people think I just go back with LeBron when he came in 2010. I was already in Miami covering the Heat at that point. I go back to the Dwayne Wade and Shaq team that won it in 2006. And Gary Payton, Hall of Famer Gary Payton, I was a role player on that team. And for the first month or two months of me joining that beat as a Miami Herald beat writer covering the, uh, the Heat, Gary Payton would not talk to me because he didn't know who I was. And he actually, one of, the, one of my buddies, Chris Perkins, who, covers, uh, who covered the Heat at the time for one of the papers down in, in uh, South Florida, uh, another brother, he would say, uh, uh, man, Mike, you're going to have to let Perk ask your question. So if you got a question for me, Ask Perk to ask it, and then I'll answer Perk. <laughs> and we're like, we played this dance for a month because he was like, man, like, like, he's like, Perk, I don't know this dude, man. So, you know, if you have any, you know, and so Perk, Chris Perkins would have to, Perkins would be like, Mike, what you what you need today? You need anything from GP? And I'd be like, yeah, let's ask him about this game or this rotation that he missed or this shot that he made. And we would, all three of us would be sitting right there. <laughs> and we, we would have to do this, humil- which should have been a humiliating exercise for me. Because if I were to ask GP that question straight up, he would just say, next question, what you got? What you got, Perk? And so, I mean, it was it, – but you know what? By the time we got through it, it was his way of sort of hazing a rookie uh, rookie on the beat. And we got through it, and we laugh about it now. And, uh, you know, GP is a guy that would answer anything or answer any call that I make for him. And it was just, you know, just his way of doing that. And so it, it was sort of uh, it was sort of interesting at first. And then I got to realize, okay, this dude is a Hall of Famer, man, and – He's going to forget more about basketball than I'll ever know. And uh, so I'm going to go through it. I'm going to let him do this childish thing, and we'll, we'll get through it. And we, we got through it. But sometimes you go through those little things with these reporters, and they get petty. And, uh, but it wasn't anything mean-spirited, so it was all good. That is, that's, that is actually an awesome story. <laughs> Lastly, <laughs> for Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, as we talk some NBA again, follow him on Twitter at MyMikeCheck. So two weeks ago, asked you about the MVP. You said, next time you're on the show, ask you – who you think is going to be the MVP? So I'm asking you now. Is two weeks not enough time, Mike? Nah, man, it's not enough time. It's not <laughs> enough time. It's getting tighter. And, and, and you know, I thought it was going to be clearer. I thought the picture was going to clear up, and there would be clarity. 
And what happened is only, uh, you know, not only did it not get clear, it got more convoluted <laughs> and more crowded because now you almost have to put Paul George in the discussion because of what he's meant to Oklahoma City. You know, as they try to rise up, rise up the ranks and, and, and get to number three in the West, which is, you know, where they are right now, and, and you know, and, and that's pretty, pretty astounding. But I still say, you know, as much as I love what James Harden has done and the historic tear he's gone on as a scorer, um, you know, he was my guy. But I'm, I'm still riding with Giannis Antetokounmpo right now. Um, as long as he can keep Milwaukee in the top spot in the East, and the East is no joke. You know, when you're looking at, you know, not only Milwaukee, but, you know, Philly is trying to make a little bit of a run to get back, you know, get their feet under him a little bit. Um, Toronto certainly made some deals to make a hard charge. You know, Indiana has sort of held their own despite Victor Oladipo being out for the season and Boston. So, you know, it's no cakewalking. If Giannis can keep Milwaukee as the best team in the league and he's the best player on the best team in the league, that's enough criteria right there for me for him to overtake James Harden. All right. Check him out on Twitter at MyMikeCheck. Also on GrindCityMedia.com. He is Mike Wallace. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Mike, appreciate the time, man. Uh, you know, uh, save some barbecue for me. Uh, if you don't, if you don't mind. Hey, yo, man, we need not, not only, we need to extend Memphis Black Restaurant Week to Memphis Black Restaurant Month. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so at least get it back to HBCU football season, man. But we definitely going to have it rolling, man. And I'll have some places picked out for when we when we do get together down here. Yeah, sounds good, man. Be good. <laughs> All right, now. Always like talking to Mike and bringing him on the program to give you some real insight into the NBA and again covered as he mentioned I mean covered the Miami Heat for so many years and more specifically those four years that LeBron James was in Miami gotta get ready to run here on from the press box to press row thank you to Mike Wallace for joining us on the program also Miles Head men's basketball coach Fred Watson for joining us on the program you can listen to that interview in its entirety with Amir Hinton by logging on to our website at BoxToRow.com also don't forget to follow us on Twitter Facebook and Instagram and always remember to support those that support you from the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications for I know